Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more. Hey folks, Maggie Dean here, just reaching out to tell you about a couple of great tours we have coming up. One is for the newbies and the other for the seasoned curve carvers. If you're new to motorcycle touring, check out the LMCT, Lake Michigan Circle Tour, which takes place from Sunday, July 14th to Saturday, July 20th. It's a beginner-friendly scenic bike tour around Lake Michigan with all the planning and organizing done for you. It's ideal for couples, three-wheel riders, and small groups. It offers a balanced mix of fun curves, beautiful scenery, and rest stops. If you've always wanted to go on a small group motorcycle tour but have yet to do so, this tour is for you. And for all you rabid twisty travelers, check out TRO's Wisco Disco Tour. Based in Wisconsin, this tour is perfect for experienced riders visiting as much of the Driftless area as possible over three days. Our well-vetted routes are pre-planned, so just take the time off and join us. It's a great opportunity to ride in an intimate setting away from the solo digital world. Tiro's Wisco Disco Tour launches Wednesday, August 7th, and concludes Sunday, August 11th. Again, that's two tours approaching. Visit tiro.bike, mouse over events, and select group tours to learn more. Hello, everybody. This is Travis Burleson. I'm Robin Dean. And this is the RidingObsession.com podcast. Fighting automotive software hackers, and how to test whether or not that road is passable in your map's data file. This month's episode of the Riding Obsession podcast is sponsored by whatever brand of beer Mike Dunn left in my refrigerator last month that's still sitting there. Whatever brand of beer Mike Dunn left in Rob's refrigerator last month is still sitting there. It's drinkable-ish. Yay! Um, I'll make mention that we're always looking for sponsors for this podcast. Sponsors are given three focus mentions toward the start, middle, and end of their designated episode. Their contributions are put towards bettering the program's content and recording equipment. So if we sound like butt, it's your fault. (laughs) If you're not in need of advertising but are willing to donate regardless, it's worth noting that we're always accepting contributions via our PayPal. Our beggar's email is easy enough to remember. It's donate at tro.email. That's donate at tro.email. T-R-O for The Rotting Obsession. Dot com. And for the first time, I get to say this first. What is new with you, my man? Besides the fact that you can smile again. I uh, kind of smile, yes. Yeah. So I have some movement left on the left side of my face. Um, <laughs> I bought, I don't think we talked about this because it's been a while since we've done a podcast. I bought a, a Honda NC700X. Brand new bike. Well, I mean, yeah. what year is it? It's a 2014, but it was um, it was new on the showroom. So they had been sitting on it for three years. So I got it for a song. Um Forty-three fifty, I think, was what I talked him down to. So it's about five grand once you pay all the dealership, you know, setup and fees and stuff like that. I still have not gotten my license plate for it. That was June second. Oh, where I, did you get yours? Mad City Power Sports. <laughs> um, so I've not gotten my license plate yet. 
Uh, according to the Wisconsin Department of Motor Vehicles site, they should be processing that this week. So if you go to their site, it says, we're currently processing new license plate applications from date. And they just <laughs> got to the first week of June this week. So hopefully that'll come in the mail soon. I'll have a proper license plate on it. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So I did. Uh, I got the black. I wanted the red, but they wouldn't give me the deal on the red because that, even though it was also a 2014, hadn't actually been in their inventory that long. Only the black one had been at, on their floor that long. Um, so I put some high-vis stickers on it to kind of break up the uh, break up the black on black with some black and some black. And did um, they flat black that black that's flat blacked? Well, some of it's flat and some of it's not. And some of it's like kind of textured and some of it's not. And um, so, uh, yeah, did some of that. Um, I put a seat concept seat on it, which I did do a video of, which I need to edit at some point and get on the site. Um so Seat Concepts does mostly adventure dual sport bike seat solutions, uh, but they're a great company. And what they'll sell you is um, f- new foam and a cover, and you install it yourself. So you take your seat off, you rip your old cover and foam off, reuse your seat pan, um, and then you can do it with just, I just got a Harbor Freight air stapler, which you can get for like 25, 30 bucks, um, and it seemed to work great, and you do it yourself. So it's a really good alternative to um, some of the other custom seat companies out there where you pay three, four, five hundred dollars for a seat. These usually run about uh, 150 bucks for this, the, the seat in the foam and you do it yourself. And it, uh, it's great. It gets rid of the scoop in the seat that makes you slide against the tank though when you're riding. So it really leveled it out. And so far I'm really happy with it. Nice. And so you're, yeah, you're comfortable overall now. Yeah. I mean, actually the stock seat wasn't bad, but it did have that, like that scoop in it, you know, where like you always slide forward up to the tank, like you're always humping the tank. Yeah. Um, and so you can scoop back, but then you kind of, you know, slip forward again. And with this, it's, it's a lot more flat. Um, and it's a grippier material, so it prevents that. You know, if you if you only if you don't shape the seat for a Triumph Street Triple R like a U, you're not going to be able to solve that problem no matter what. Because it doesn't matter what gear you're in, if you give it a little bit of throttle, you're going to end up on the passenger seat, and then when you roll off the throttle, you end up slamming everything that you care about right into the tank. Repeat that over and over. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there are bikes too. Yeah, that that you need the to, that locked in. But uh, this is not one of those bikes. So, but yeah, so far it's good. It's just just enough power for me. I can keep up with you on the Bandit, um, unless it's a straightaway and you want to go extra <laughs> legal speeds. Um, but it's really fun to throw around the corners. Super low center of gravity. It's got a frunk. Um, and then I put the GV rack on the back to put my GV top case on. Um, so I got a whatever five gallon frunk on it and a thirty five liter top case on the back. I can pretty much carry whatever I want. Put the Honda Center stand on it. And then I also got an eBay screen extender, like for like 15 bucks. That like thing clamps, looks pretty cool. Clamps on. It seems to work. I've only tested it slightly. It uh, seems to work okay. I'm uh, going to be doing a trip this evening down to Monroe for um, Madvin Moto Garage Night. A uh, guy who's on the list down in Monroe is hosting. And um, so that'll be a longer highway trip because I haven't been using it usually when I'm riding and going fast on the back road. So this will be a longer highway trip. Good excuse to test that test that screen out yeah ever since i got the trailer you and i haven't done a long trip that took us to one of the rallies everywhere we've been on it it's been twisty 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 so yeah exactly it's like either up here we're doing twisties out testing that uh, madison the basketball run or we trailered down to brown county yeah yeah when we're down there it's all all twisty 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 so not not needed um and also i'm getting rid of the cb1000 getting rid of the big one um 
going to try and get a little write-up on, on that bike because it's a great, cool bike, but the uh, the NC700 really splits the difference between the big one and the DRZ, so I'm getting rid of the DRZ too. So it's smaller, it's lighter, it's like pseudo adventure so you could do gravel roads on it with no problem, um, which is really, this thing is that with the DRZ, there's just no dirt around Madison. There's surprisingly little dirt in southern Wisconsin um, unless you have private land to go run on. Yeah, having ridden that bike myself just to see what it was like, I couldn't believe the low center of gravity was just... It was like riding on a top or like one of those, uh, one of those, it, it, like those, those toys that drinks water and repeatedly like pops back up. I forget what they're called, but it just did everything you wanted to. You could just juggle that bike. No sweat. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really pleased with the NC 700. I do wish two things that they sold the S model here. Maybe I might like that a little better. Well, the X has a couple, like an inch and a half more suspension. So, um, but I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the beak but I don't have to look at it when I'm riding it. And um, I w- everywhere else in the world, including Canada, it's a 750. You get huh. like you get 50 more cc's out of it um, and like five more horsepower, I think. So that would be nice um, to have that little bit more power on it. But uh, I, talked, actually, I talked to a guy at the IMS in Chicago this spring about that, and he had said that uh, there's a higher tariff in the United States if you're importing a motorcycle that's over 700 cc's so, so they go right up to the line and they're just like okay there you go yeah well it's like 670 i think is the actual displacement and that honda like we call it this but it's actually 30 cc smaller yeah of honda's, course honda's good at that so yeah. um but then so i, I got the, the the big one the drz up for sale um i got them on all i got them on adv rider and craigslist and cycle trader and facebook and all, and all those things we should promote that though. Hold on there. If you if you out there, if any of our listenership out there, if you write an article as a guest author for the writingobsession.com, you could earn the opportunity to buy that bike at the very same price. That's the exact same price that you would get it if you didn't write an article for the writingobsession.com. So think about that, huh? Yeah. But you might get you you might you might get like, you know, some money back uh, on uh, depending on how click-worthy your article is. You get a lot of clicks on that article and earn a little money back. So it's all go. about the commissions. Um, the, uh, the I just want to say something to kind of everyone. If uh, there's something on for sale, a bike or whatever on Craigslist or um, Cycle Trader or wherever, Facebook, don't contact the person selling it and then ask if they'll sell it to you for half of what you're asking for it. Don't be that guy. That's <laughs> that's that's a dick move. Did this happen to you? Yeah, it's happened, actually- happened to me a couple times where it's like I'm selling. I mean, and I've I've every week I've cut like about. Maybe a hundred bucks off the price of each of them until I hit my bottom basement. Now it's been a couple months. I've been trying to sell them. Um, so now I'm like at the bottom basement price. So I'm I'm selling the big one for eighteen. Uh huh. Which is but a like fair had, price. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's that's it, I and mean, that's the lowest I'd let it go for. Um, and but I originally had it listed for like twenty one, I think, or two thousand. And someone's like, "We take a thousand dollars." But so it's like some they're they're like watching too much American Pickers, or it's like some grifter calling up. He's like, "Look, we both know, we both know you're desperate. All right, you can admit it to me. All right." I'll take that bike off your hands. You won't have any more problems. 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's no. <laughs> like, no, that will no. not happen. Yeah, yeah, and I had a, a couple times where the same thing, the DRZ. Right now, my DRZ is the cheapest DRZ for sale in southern Wisconsin. That's a beautiful bike. And it's a good bike. Um, and people are like, oh, what about, I think I'm down to 28, which again is the lowest I'll sell it's it for. It's an excellent price. Yeah. Um, I mean, I bought it I bought it last year for three, and it's better now than when I, I put hardly any miles on it, and it was beat up and needed some love when I got it. And now it's got new chain, new sprockets, new chain rollers, new chain guards. Car's been retuned. It's been cleaned up. Suspension's been adjusted. You did the ga- the uh, trash can mod. Yeah, which that just pops on and off, the, the windscreen. So it's got it's better now than it was when I bought it. It's got 2,000 more miles on it. 
and I'm selling it for less than I bought it for. So don't don't call me and be like, hey, I know you're asking like three grand for this, but will you take uh, we take twelve hundred? No, no, I will <laughs> not take a third of what I'm asking for it. Craigslist, bye. Yeah. Here's so let, let's up the ante here to our listeners out there. If you if you write an article for the writingobsession.com, not only could you buy the CB1000, a.k.a. the big one by Honda. You could also buy the Suzuki DRZ, both of them, at the exact same price that you would buy them for if you didn't write an article for the writingobsession.com. We're putting that, that's, those are both on the table there. I said that. This is happening. Okay. Yeah. That's a, and you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll double up the ante here. If you come and buy them, I'll give you a beer. Woo! Wow. You wow. You can't, wow. You can't beat that. Yeah, especially the kids like, you know, yeah. 16 years old, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, the DIY is... Um, and don't forget that the DRZ will make you a bad person. Yeah, it'll turn you into a bad rider. You no, a bad person, not a bad rider. A yeah, it'll turn, rider, it'll make you a better rider and a bad person. Like a worse person. curbs, curbs will no longer deter you from going anywhere. <laughs> you will just drive through in over parking lots, yards, small paths, fences. Yeah, whatever you want, you can go over it, through it with the DRZ, and it's like it's not even there. I look for curbs I can hop on the DRZ. I took it out the other day just to uh, to run some errands and run it for a minute. Um, and I'm just like, I'm going to go this way through the parking lot instead of uh, go on the road and go like around this plaza because I can. And so you just go for like four or five curbs through the mall parking lot because you can. <laughs> it's, and you don't even, it's like they're not even there. It's awesome. So what about you, Robin? What is uh, going on in your world of motorcycling awesomeness? Motor, motorcycle, bicycle, my motor, motor bicycling. Motor, my motor motorcycling life. Um, the, the most responsible thing I can start with is I've been working hard to organize and polish our upcoming long-distance guided tours. The site now offers guided motorcycle tours now. Some of them are uh, long-distance motorcycle vacations. Uh, we have day trips. we got a couple of weekend getaways. I think I'm actually going to uh, stash the day trips away and prioritize these big trips because I really need to get enough signups for our uh, first week of October tour, which covers America's New Heartland. The short of it is that seven people get to ride across seven states in seven days. All of it is a twisty good time with beautiful scenery and accommodations. Southern Indiana blends into Kentucky before picking up the Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh, we might do Deals Gap, a.k.a. the Tale of the Dragon. I probably won't do that, but I'll give people the option to go that way. Uh, upon completing the BRP, the Blue Ridge Parkway, we follow SR-47 up to the start of the Triple Nickel, Ohio's 555. Travis and I have written that. There's a video of that out there. And then we'll be running this tour come fall, starting on September 30th and ending on October 8th. We'll probably do like a bonus podcast just to discuss that planning process and chat it up, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, back to the dirty side of my garage. I got my Bandit rims back. There was one that was bent for a while there. So baby's got new shoes, and I also had a bit of a tread remaining on my uh, previous PR2s, my Michelin Pilot Road 2s, so I threw them on the alternate set of wheels for a quick swap when I wanted it. Um, made certain to remedy the backfire on my Hawk GT. Don't worry, it came back almost immediately after it, uh, so the backfire's still there. Also made mistakenly sure to trust the markings on my Bandit's swing arm with reference to change adjustment. When you're adjusting your chain, don't ever do that. Use a tool or eyeball the teeth of the rear sprocket while you spin it and make sure they remain center as the chain kind of rolls by. Yeah, I always use a, um, I always use a, some sort of measuring device, a little ruler, um, and just make sure the axle's the same distance from the end of the swing arm on mine. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, you'd mentioned that, and here's the thing, it's like, so I'd like, I just did a chain adjustment on the, on the DRZ. Yeah, I see this, go on. Um, and like dirt bikes, like the DRZ, have a, have that tooth cam on the axle, uh, you know, like a swoopy teardrop kind of shape. Okay. Um, and it's got like little notches on it that fit into a pin that's on the swing arm and it's numbered and you just make sure it's locked in on the same number on both sides. See, that'd be great. 
right? So it's like they put that on dirt bikes to make sure you can put the wheel back on nice and easy and it's the same distance on either side and it's locked in. Yeah, I don't have this option. I have to, I have to undo the lug that holds the rear sprocket on completely, knock the sprocket left to get everything folded out completely, pull the wheel back, fit a wrench over one nut to loosen it so I can get to the adjuster nut. Yeah. Then and then, adjust and then you got to do that on both sides while, while there's some tension on the axle, but it's not all the way tight. Yeah, it's trouble, man. It's it's a rough scene. So having something like what you're talking about would make my life much more elegant. But we can't have nice things. Yeah, or something, or like um, in the uh, eccentric adjusters. Um, so that would be something like the uh, what's coming to my mind right away. The Kawasaki ZRX has those. Mm-hmm. So it's um, where so the axle sits in a uh, a circular adjuster that fits fits into the swing arm, and those yeah. like rotate on the axles off center of those and it that's what pulls the chain back and forth. So it's kind of like what's on um like a single-sided swing arm like the uh the the Hawk GT or uh the VFR. So that's single-sided so there's only one eccentric adjuster that moves the axle kind of backward and forward in a in a ro- rotational motion. Sure. Um, but there are bikes out there that do that uh with uh with a regular swing arm on both sides. You just have an adjuster on both sides and those are notched and marked and numbered so you can make sure that they're the same. Um, and they're they're more precise. The concept, and that that's that would be beautiful. They did that bone stock for every bike. But the concept of what you were saying before, I wonder if they make any kind of an aftermarket version of that where you can sort of adapt to the bike you have. Um, you could probably make it work, but the hard part is is you have to have a pin that's like welded onto the swing arm for it to locate into. Oh yeah. So we need to go to who? Steve and Christina, of <laughs> course. Yeah. Make well, sure. on the on the upside, uh, I, I managed to sail downtown in the dead of night last night. And rocked a quick pass through Lower Wacker. Uh, it's been a while. It was a lot of fun. It still smells the same. Mm. Like dead Transformers and Batman? Yeah. And and urine. Oh, mostly. Yeah. Stale yeah, see, urine. People don't realize that is that Transformers smell like piss. <laughs> but now it's time for updated site futures and developments. We'll uh, turn that over to our web guru and master overlord of all things technical for the RyanObsession.com, Mr. Robin Dean. Robin Dean! I've done nothing. I've done absolutely nothing. Seriously, I kicked out a bug fix or two, but otherwise, I've been too busy writing, planning, writing, planning to go start uh, staring at my computer on a summer's day. I just, it, I haven't gotten anything. I'm, I'm writing a couple articles right now. It makes me happy, and you know, I'll probably do a lot more come winter. But it's just been. I think this is this is the first week in five weeks that you haven't come up to Wisconsin, right? <laughs> yeah, every time, you know, you know. Plus, it was an excuse to, oh yeah, Travis needs to get on the bike. Poor Travis, he. He had a face fall off disease and now it, it like it, it ruined his life. So we have to go up and get him riding again, you know, again is what Margaret would say. <laughs> really? Like, no, but I'm going anyhow. Yeah. Well, and two, and then I think, um, like two of those five weeks, it didn't rain, right? <laughs> two of those five weeks, we actually managed to get some real riding in, but then actually a couple of times we just said, screw it and went riding anyhow. Yeah. I rode in the rain. It wasn't too bad. Except the, um, the stock tires that came on the NC 700 X, the Dunlop, um, something trail pseudo dual sport like 90 10 tires i got 1300 out of that rear and it was and it was terrible in the rain so <laughs> those dunlops i've never had good luck with dunlop tires i don't i know they make like race tires and they're sponsored for some for some of the race series is but i i've never had good, good luck with them you look at their tread alone and it's like they don't really quite even reach the sidewall sometimes and they don't do much with siping anything like that they yeah i don't i don't i don't know what um what the compounds were maybe that's just that i've had a bad luck because i know that the the ones that were on the the blast are notoriously terrible. Yeah. Um, and so are the ones that are on the NC 700. So like on the forums, everyone says, yeah, just get rid of those tires. <laughs> but it's like, why, 
why does that even like why is your you know it's like the the pilot road too it's like michelin's kind of base tire that's still a pretty good tire like greg greg loves those tires right yeah they're uh, the ones that last longest you know like avon road riders those are those are great tires yeah i mean i always trust what i've enjoyed in the past and i've tried a few um but yeah so, so, so if you've ridden dunlops and had good luck send us a comment um you know via the phone or the website or email uh let us know what you were riding and how you're riding them and how they lasted i guess it'd be good information maybe even uh, write up an article about uh tires yes now that brings us to the next part of our podcast here. It's time for our guest interview. Travis, take it away. This month's interview features Curtis Minder and Brandon Wood. They're traveling from Washington, D.C. to Las Vegas, where they'll then work with the programming community to help thwart vehicle hacking. You may have seen some articles about this in some of the Moto Mags. BMW motorcycles are some of the most advanced bikes in the world, so they have a larger attack surface, and they're, they've been working on integrating vehicle automation and computer control into uh, they're motorcycling. So our interviewees, Curtis and Brandon, are carving a detour for Chicago so they can tell us about what they're working on with this trip. All right, so does everybody remember exactly what they said? No. Okay, really. fantastic. We just had a recording fluff, so we're going to start this interview over again because I've got two... One friend of four years now and one new friend who I've just met. Um, I'm here with Curtis Minder and Brandon Wood. It's Brandon, right? Yeah. And uh, they work for a company called... GroupSense. GroupSense, which basically is in charge of cybersecurity uh, and is on... Well, right now they're riding between Washington, D.C. and Las Vegas, Nevada, and they made the detour to come all the way to Chicago so they could see a couple of friends and do this very podcast. I can't thank you guys. going to thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, all right, so to kick things off, uh, let's talk about the ride first. The ride is, in, we're all about the riding, and I see that uh, you guys just rolled in on two enormous GS1200s. Uh, <laughs> how's the trip been so far? It's been good. It's been good. I, you know, for me, uh, you know, this is my first year riding. This is the biggest trip I've ever done. Um, this is the biggest day I, I've, I've had in, in riding so far. Um, and it's been good. I thought it would, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I had a bunch of different feelings, you know, going into this, you know, one being like, you know, you know, really optimistic that, you know, this is going to be really easy. You know, I don't know why, like, big Curtis is like really worried about me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, that, so you're a new rider. Yeah. And you went straight totally to a, a really advanced machine. Right. Well, I didn't really have a choice because my boss uh, is a big BMW GS rider and sold me his BMW GS. And Who, my boss is also sitting right next to me. <laughs> so... Yeah. Right after payday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the day after payday, you're like, huh, you know, I think you might. It's strange. I feel like selling this bike. Maybe yeah. you'd like to buy it. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, okay. So then what exactly is the route that you two are taking? Uh, so we we're, we work really hard at work. So we try to mix in a little bit of uh, fun with it. The, the trip is part of that. Um, uh, as part of that also, though, we're going to do some work. So we, we, we have some meetings here in Chicago. Uh, tomorrow, um, and we have meetings down in Bloomington, Illinois, and also in uh, Salt Lake City on the way. So that's sort of driving our route wh where the customers uh, are and where the where the business partners are that we're meeting with. Um, we're 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 kind of shooting from the hip a little bit, um, so we don't know exactly what the route is. Uh, and whenever we find the time, we'll take some side roads, things like that. It's a little compressed because we're going to a conference in Vegas at the end that we need to, to be in time for. And right now, the, the current plan is to split up after the conference. Uh, my plan is to, to go on to L.A. from Vegas, 
and then go up to San Francisco, uh, catch up with some people and uh, do some meetings and kind of figure out my, my way home. So. You're going to have a good time. You got friends there too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, nice. So then are you sightseeing along the way? You said you were kind of finding opportunities where you could. Uh, yeah. Any particular stops specific that are, you know, we got to see this. It's in between here and there. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we'll have some time uh, in in Utah and in the desert a little bit. So we'll, we'll probably yeah. go to Zion and, and Bryce Canyon uh, along the way. We're going to do, we're, we're camping when we can. So when we don't have to be, you know, well-dressed and groomed mm-hmm. for meetings, um, <laughs> we, we will uh, be camping uh, along the way. Well, and... For sightseeing up to that point, I'm, I'm originally from Kansas City and, and you're from Illinois. You know, we're pretty familiar with most of the things to see between here and, and Utah, at, at least. So, <laughs> well, how, how yeah. is he doing with uh, Twisty Roads? Have you guys done any? Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, so we, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we both have pretty new tires, so we had to take it easy when we started. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we took him to a rally a couple weeks ago. Um, you, you know, I said relatively. Wait a minute. Rider. He's motioning a wheelie. I know. <laughs> I know. It was more than a wheelie. <laughs> it was. Did you accident. have a thing? It, it was on accident. I'm so glad we're re-recording this. Go on, please. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we're we're at the rally and uh, uh, riding with our, our good friend John Beamer, who's a great rider. Uh, this is my first. You know, is a BMW rally is my you know first time there, and uh, you know was really excited to get into some of these back roads. And where were we at? Western Maryland. Yeah, um, we were in Maryland. We were, we popped in and out of Maryland and West Virginia and Pennsylvania through that ride. We I don't know how many miles we did. Maybe three. Almost yeah. three hundred. Well, boss man, you're gonna have to guide me through some of those roads because yeah. I've never gotten a chance to get up there yet. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it, it it was amazing, man. And just really going on the fly, just looking for the twistiest roads we we could. Um, and being able to have the comp system um, and, and talking talking through it, and it was fun. You know, uh, there, at one point I, I caught a little bit of air, and I was really <laughs> excited, and I was just like, "I need to do that again." <laughs> and so soon after that, a couple of minutes after that, we're, we're coming down um, a road out of the woods, and. Uh, it, it's all these beautiful farm roads, right? I, I mean, no lines or anything like that, but strangely beautiful pavement. And uh, two other riders are, are in front of me, Curtis and John. And uh, you know, I see that there's a little bridge with this big, beautiful turn uh, that that goes up to the hill. So I could see the whole road for um, you know the next couple hundred yards, right? And there's a little bit of a bridge at the bottom of the hill, uh, and you know, just nice little bump. I'm like, I'm gonna punch it. <laughs> And get more air, <laughs> you know. And it's it's happening pretty. Legal quick. disclaimer: We do not advocate this. <laughs> yeah, no. under any circumstances. No, so, I mean, to the clients, they're taking the twistiest roads they could possibly find directly to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I slow down going into the thing. Uh, give Curtis some some space in front of me before I. You sandbagging. Evil can evil this jump, <laughs> and which is so dumb, you know, because I was you know really inexperienced and. You know, I, I accelerate into it, and I have no idea what how you're supposed to do this at all. I accelerate into it, and you know, by the you know the forks decompress, and you know, on the front part of it, and then the wheel just stays there as it goes through the the top of this bridge, and I'm sticking it, and I'm on the comm system, and I'm just like, because <laughs> I didn't mean to do the wheelie, <laughs> and I just held the wheelie for a long time, and then slowly decelerated and put it back down and broke out in a huge sweat. Yeah, so that didn't answer your question about the twisties because <laughs> he went straight when he did that. 
<laughs> but no but oncoming yeah, traffic. I was yeah, looking yeah. out for that. He, he did. He did. Uh, he did great, man. He's he's a natural. We're, we're not here for me. We're here for you guys. But I will say that a mutual friend of ours, uh, Neil Sullivan, during a oh, yeah. trip to Brown County, there was a roller coaster, like a, a yeah. up and down section. Yeah. Where he kept telling himself, "I'm going to try to jump that." And I looked. He was up ahead of me. And I saw the, all these heads ahead of me going up and down and up and down and up and down. And I saw his just go straight. Oh. Uh, and these were big hills. Anyhow. Oh, so, no. so, Curtis, for you, you you're covering crazy miles. Uh, you know, we've already been through this once. I don't remember what I've asked. I haven't asked, but 600 miles today, probably 600 miles tomorrow. I mentioned how, you know, for our, our listeners out there that are considering our guided tours, we only do like 200, maybe 250 in a day. That's, that's a powerhouse of miles, especially for guys you know, new to riding. I'm oh, impressed. I'm kidding. I'm definitely yeah yeah you, he was a champion yeah but I know you've done this a million times over you've been a, a distance rider since I've known you yeah and yeah. a GS rider for that matter I think yeah yeah um, and I, I did a I did a trip similar to this one and actually attended the same conference uh, a couple years ago um, that that trip ended up being a total of thirteen thousand miles in forty five days and uh, uh, on on the GS that he's currently riding. The bike's apparently holding up. Yeah, yeah. It's doing all right. Go figure. Um, I've, I've heard terrible things about those amazing machines. <laughs> <laughs> um, haven't they gone around the world or something like that? Well, mostly to Starbucks is what I understand. <laughs> but... So then, okay, any hiccups so far? Any particularities? Yeah, I uh, I, I burned my hands the first night. Uh... I saw this post on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. It was fire hot. <laughs> Yeah, I did something stupid with my uh, my burner um, at the campsite, but uh, so the first aid kit was out within the first ten minutes of our stop uh, <laughs> last night. But uh, and then uh, he's had some technical glitches with the uh, comm system. Yeah, uh, we'll yeah. get those remedy in my garage tonight. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, special for Tro interviews only. Runningobsession <laughs> Uh, well, all right. Anything else you guys want to add to it, or you, you guys got some time for some pretty heavy questions? Yeah, sure. I do. I do want to plug uh, Wonderlick. They they uh, lent me a seat, so I. I um, I had the pleasure of going to Germany and, and meeting Erich Wunderlich, uh, uh, the the owner of of Wunderlich. This uh, name is foreign to me. Yeah, completely it's, foreign. They to me. they make a lot of uh, parts for German bikes and specifically focus on the BMWs. Um, and I got to go meet Erich, and I sent him a note saying, "Hey, I'm about to do this long trip. Uh, I have a stock seat on a relatively new GS." He sent me uh, their aftermarket seat on a custom seat pan that they do. Um, and uh, I'm going to write an article about it, uh, a review about it for uh, BMW MOA magazine. Um, and uh, so, you know, 600 miles today, doing great. And no I had the, I had the sergeant. You're familiar with sergeant, right? I am. So, so um, I, great know, seat. Yeah. yeah. So the sergeant is on my old GS, and, and Brandon used that on the way here. And, and that same sergeant was the one I took on the 13,000 mile trip. Great seat. I'm hoping the Wunderlich holds up as well. Yeah. But, uh, so far, so good. Yeah, it's getting better every year, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's kind of how the tech develops. Well, except for the manufacturers, they continue to make crappy seats that they put on every bike. Oh, terrible, <laughs> the stock seats. Terrible. I mean, the, the my yeah. first seat for my Bandit was basically a piece of cardboard with a strip of leather down right. the center for for looks. Um, well, all right, okay. So now it's time for the second side of this interview, which is something that I think uh, motorists, not just motorcyclists, but motorists, motorists everywhere, should uh, finally come to copes with the need to express concern for, and that's. Uh, Vehicle hacking, which Curtis's company, uh, they're focused on thwarting that by way of uh, coordinating with uh, black hat hackers. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of. We no, we don't uh, play in that directly. Uh, what I was trying to do is, you know, our our, our main mission in our company is um, cyber reconnaissance. So what we do is we focus on uh, listening to uh, signals, communications of bad guys on the kind of in the underbelly of the internet. 
um, uh, underground forums. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Tor, I don't know if your your listeners are familiar with the uh, the, the underground networks uh, where all the nefarious stuff well, it happens. Sounds like the dark web for the vehicles. Dark, dark. Well, not specific to vehicles. We're really focused on anything, and and uh, but a lot of times it is intellectual property driven. So one of the one of the uh, companies we're visiting here in town is a manufacturer. They they are worried about folks uh, stealing and selling intellectual property. Um, that goes into their devices, including the software. So um, what we were trying to do with the trip is, is bridge the two. So our, our day job of, of protecting intellectual property and the fact that we love motorcycles. Uh, the folks at DEF CON have had several years of car hacking um, uh, exposés that they've done. Um, and I reached out to some friends of ours who, who are involved in that, and they suggested we, we ride out, bring the bikes by the car hacking village. Hopefully they don't uh, mess with them too much because we need to ride them back. <laughs> but um, that's that's so we're just kind of tying the two together and also tr- just trying to uh, promote awareness around it, right? Yeah. Now, and you started this business by yourself in a coffee shop like years back. I didn't even really know anything about it, right? Um, and then, but now you're you're twenty employees deep, and Brandon here. Uh, so what's your what's your role in all this? Uh, how 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 did you get into this? And well, uh, for me, how I got into it, I was sitting next to him at that same coffee shop, <laughs> working on a, a different company in a completely different industry, actually in renewable energy. Um, you know, but I was you know looking over at his, his keyboard and you know how things were, were going for him. I'm like, man, I need to be a part of what's going on over there. Um, you know, kind of in the spirit of uh, what I've copied and pasted from him in, in motorcycling over this past year. Um, you know, getting involved in, in cybersecurity, not having any sort of technical background, uh, but uh, learning the the sales craft of a, a pretty great mentor like uh, like Curtis, and uh, haven't been fired yet. So yeah, I, I know Curtis better than that. It's going well. <laughs> um, in our previous attempt to record this interview, you used that term uh, twice, and I like it, which is to you know copy and paste from the people that mm. have positive and a good influence on mm. things moving forward, for lack of a better term. And uh, right. I think we came we came up to the statement of Miles Davis. He always talked about uh, good artists will create, a great artist will steal. And uh, so not only have you gotten motorcycling out of this, sure. you get the motorcycle trips out of this, and you are learning the work environment, obviously, yeah? Yeah, well, for me, it's you know, about learning best practices, right, and, and all these different flavors, right. Um, and, and for me, you know, in, in the work life uh, for, for startups, I mean, you know, one way I kind of look at, at, at this is like a, a nicely paid internship <laughs> into <laughs> how to run a business, man. And uh, so yeah, it's a pretty we, great it, opportunity. Brandon, Brandon started, um, you know, as he was our first sales guy, and within uh, four months or so, I think, we, we put him in charge of our largest uh, OEM relationship, and he's done a great job fostering that. A lot of revenue has come from that. Uh, some of that revenue was put into a commission check, which was used to buy the motorcycle I sold him. <laughs> so it all comes together. Yeah, that is the most twisted. <laughs> well, okay, so let's get to the, the meat of the discussion. Uh, Travis Burleson, the co-founder of the site, he also was excited about this interview. I thought he should be one doing it since I was telling them before that all of us have a little bit of a computer background where we need to be careful how we use our terminology. So I gave him the option, you know, give me three questions. And they immediately went straight to what tech is being used, what loopholes are being exploited, and what vehicles are susceptible. It's a tall order of a question, right. but I give you guys the floor. Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's not as complicated as uh, as, it, as it sounds. I mean, it's uh, you know these these cars are computers. They have networks in them, just just like uh, computer networks, where the components all talk uh, across a, a series of networks uh, to the ECU, which issues the commands. 
Um, you, you mentioned loopholes. So they, they need an entry point uh, into the vehicle. Um, and the folks at DEF CON, uh, some of the folks we're, we're meeting with, um, they've demonstrated this before where they've been able to access the vehicles remotely through either the OnStar connection through a cellular interruption or, um, or something similar, uh, or um, even the tire pressure monitoring systems. I think we had discussed earlier about how, you know, TPMS, I always thought that was going to be a Bluetooth thing, but you said it can be different languages or di different frequencies, different platforms. Uh, it sounds like those two, are those the two that you are most focused on at this particular point? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a focus of ours, but I think those are the, the ones that have been commonly exploited. Um, and, and just because it's, a, it's, you know, we use the term attack surface in computer security. It, it provides an a remote attack surface. Um, there aren't very many uh, things in a vehicle to do that. Those are the two main ones that, that are out there right now. Are there any plug-in options that could cause a problem there? Cause, oh, sure, yeah. Like just hack a single file that, that causes access to happen just by set, resetting a zero right. or one here, one right. variable. Um, I've seen that happen to many servers. Yep, yep. And so the you know the the, the cars uh, and motorcycles have diagnostic part ports. Um, I'm sure you have some of the computers that plug into your bikes. Unfortunately, um, yes. Yeah, in, in the in BMW world, it's the GS911, which allows you to manipulate the computer. Um, so of course you can you can also uh, physically uh, attack the computers through devices and ports like that. Nice. That's all my questions for this particular interview, but I'd love to hear anything else you guys have to say that you want the general public to know. I know you guys are on your way uh, to Las Vegas having a great time. You guys know your stuff. Uh, the right people with the right rides going to the right event for the right reasons. I'm sure that there are tons of people in the world right now who should be grateful to you guys for things they don't know they should be grateful for. What else yeah. would you say on the top? Well, I, I wanted to put a plug in for uh, our buddy Bo Woods over at the Atlantic Council who's fostering a lot of the communications with industry about these issues, working with the auto manufacturers healthcare manufacturers who are making these devices with the software embedded uh, and working with them to increase the security as part of their overall uh, quality assurance program, things like that. Um, Bo is also involved in, in a group called uh, the, uh, I Am the Cavalry, which is a, a loose group of hackers who are influencing policy um, from, from the government side, uh, working with lawmakers to educate lawmakers about uh, this stuff, as well as working with the manufacturers. So those guys are, and, and Bo is really the guy that got us um, looped into this, this whole thing to begin with. So I want to make sure I mention Bo. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Brandon? Anything else? I, I mean, for me, if, you know, a lot of the audience are, you know, new writers uh, hoping to uh, at least with your your guided tours that, that you're talking about you know in the 200 225 mile range um you know uh, just definitely you know ride with more experienced riders take everything you you can from them there's been uh, endless tips that i've incorporated into you know today my biggest day you know one for example uh, having a camel pack in my uh, in my uh, tank bag and having uh, the hose of that, you know, strap onto, um, you know, my riding jacket and being able to drink from that pretty easy was huge today on a really hot day like today. So uh, everything from, you know, big safety stuff like taking an MSF course, uh, you know, wearing all the gear all the time uh, to really small things that make a huge difference for a really big ride. So just ride with more experienced riders and learn uh, the most you can from them. Yeah, very cool. Not not popping wheelies or jumping bridges. That didn't, that no, didn't come from me. That. I'll do that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. I can't apologize enough for having to re-record this entire oh, no worries, man. You guys have been nothing but patient. Yeah. Uh, you've been nothing but informative. And again, I'm here with Curtis Minder and Brandon Wood for... GroupSense. GroupSense.io. 
check out their website. I know a few people I'm going to be sending your way for sure. And also, you know, I'll mention this after the interview music plays, but check out Curtis Mender's website, curtisminder.com. It's K-U-R-T-I-S-M-I-N-D-E-R.com. Thanks, guys. Get the www. It's on the World Wide Web. You know, the information superhighway. Netcom.orgnet.com. You mail, you've got mail. So what do you think about the possibility of an electric GSXR, man? This uh, is a thing. This is a real thing. I know they're working on it. I just I I really would love to have an electric motorcycle. Me too. Um, I've been really impressed with um Alta, the dirt bike electric motorcycle company i've heard of this i haven't read into it too much i'm um, sorry everybody out there i don't ride as much dirt as travis does yeah so they um alta has made an electric dirt bike that's a proper race motocross uh like chassis so like this like zero is around and they're selling bikes you can buy them and they're all kind of lightweight all the zero bikes are kind of like chassis wise at least they're all like entry level commuter and dual sport bikes um but alta is making a race ready motocross bike and they're not um sanctioned for ama racing yet but they have done some other some other motocross races and they they just blown the competition away so like they they i remember seeing a thing where they raced a 250 um and then they were like you have to race the 450s because you're too fast <laughs> um so you know wait i think there's a, a slight weight disadvantage uh for because all the batteries and stuff but you get um you get that instant torque you get you know a constant power band Whereas, you know, a lot of uh, dirt bikes, these race bikes are tuned with a very narrow kind of peaky power band. And with the electric, you just always have all the power all the time. Well, you can break your chain if you don't curve the, you know, change that slope, the acceleration slope. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, too, is there's instant adjustability. Um, you know, you do you do a heat or whatever, you do a practice run, and you say, hey, you know, can we change the roll-off or can we change how it, how it hits when I turn the throttle like this or at this speed? And the guy just hooks up his laptop and changes it. And just changes the map, you know. There's no like fiddling with carburetors. Um, well, hold on, dial it back now, reel it back. So now if we're talking about a street bike. You look like you were a little flinchy about whether or not you like this concept. I mean, I will say personally, I would have I, loved to have seen it with the GXX. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily the R, because then at least we start with a standard. Yeah, well, I, well, the thing here's here's where I'm going with this whole um, Alta dirt bike thing is that works for a for motocross where there's a 20 minute moto and then you swap batteries or you swap bikes um because range range isn't a concern it's kind of like um formula e like that works for even though in formula e the one pit stop they have every race is to change cars to a car that's fully charged <laughs> um so that, 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 be, should, that should be component the battery should be component lift um yeah well and there's there's uh, a different packaging problem with the race cars where they're you know 80 percent of the car is battery <laughs> so you know and, and it's the same, same sort of thing with with uh with the bikes yeah like an in uh to have some sort of uh universal interchangeable battery system would be good but that has its own things but the point i'm getting to is that doing it with the jixer instead of a street oriented bike is electric racing um you know there's already a couple of companies out there uh energica um bramo victory i'm not quite sure where their stance is but you know they do the isle man electric yeah. class yeah i think zero um, is the the big company right now but um but the i don't think for racing zero is doing a whole lot 
No, you're right. Zero is the fair. biggest for consumer products. And like I said, all, all of their consumer products are um, sort of mid-grade, despite the, the high price tag because of the electric technology, they're all sort of mid-grade, entry-level chassis type things. So I think that makes sense to do the Jixer because as far as battery performance is, you can do a race that's 15, 20 minutes long. Yeah. And then you can do a heat race. And is that your concern on the consumer level? Because quite frankly, like I said, if you gave me a GSX with a battery-operated GSX that could take me, I don't know, say say a couple hundred miles, or let's say at least 100 miles, 125 miles, which I think they're going to be able to do, the charge speed is really what's going to be a question. Like if I'm stopping for lunch, how long is that lunch going to be? Yeah, I mean, um, assuming, you know, they get some, some Tesla tech in there with um, the way their cells alternate uh, power production, um, you could do a quick charge. But then, you know, it's the battery technology now, the more quick charging you do, the more you degrade the battery life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and that's really the... That's really the crux for consumers, and it's and it's been for the last five years, as long as we've seen electric motorcycles on the market, is yeah. range and charge time. Now, we've also seen situations where they could use the reverse perspective of previous hybrid versions, where instead you'd have a tiny, tiny combustion motor that would kick on if the battery was really trying to go the longer distance. I'm not against that either. I, I, I just I'm really excited to see it happen. You have your you're, you seem skeptical, which I appreciate because I know you want to see it. You just want it to work. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I think it'd be cool. I would love to see uh, a major manufacturer enter that realm of electric um, electric racing, electric bike production. I mean, it, what Victory kind of did when they bought Bramo and they did do an electric Pikes Peak bike when they were doing the Project 156. And we're not going to go down that Victory rabbit hole. But um, but they, they were kind of the only, so Polaris essentially was the only major manufacturer to big to do an electric bike really harley did do that live wire project like a year or two ago yeah they had that test fleet of like 20 electric bikes which i thought those looked cool mm-hmm. um you know because they kind of had more of a standard sport stance to them they sounded cool too yeah they had that they and i remember there was an interview with uh the, one of the engineers who said like harley's need to have a sound which uh we're not going to get into opinions about that but like objectively the market for harley there's a sound that you want that the market wants when they buy a harley a harley's got to sound like a harley yeah i'll say one thing i'll say one thing if loud pipes save lives imagine how much greater life would be if you just learned how to ride but yeah the electric bike was engineered to have that that uh they put straight cut gears in the gearbox specifically so it would whine like that i'll give a little little whistle yeah have that have that like future electric motor george jetson sound to it um but those haven't, I mean, I haven't seen a production or any other talk of electric um, from Harley since then. So, but maybe, like I said, if if, if this Suzuki Jixer comes out and there's major, major producer doing electric, how far behind is Honda? How far behind is the rest of the Japanese market and then Europe? And then maybe, maybe Polaris is going to get their head out of their button and do it and we'll have an American one. Who did McGinnis um, ride for when he did that 20 minute electric lap? Beautiful thing though. If you look up John McGinnis, Isle of Man electric was lap. Was that Energica, the Italian? And, and Italian bike, they were the production, they were the company? It was, that, it was a beautiful maybe, machine. There's, there's only a couple, so. Yeah. yeah. But I know Energica is one of the one of the ones that is making a, a race bike, and they make electric, they make consumer electric sport bikes, but they, they're they still super. Those, um, 
unlike Zero, those are super premium as far as chassis is concerned. So you're getting Brembo and Olins and all that crazy high-end componentry. And then on top of your electric upcharge for the new technology, you're talking 30 grand bikes. Yeah, so. yeah it's getting up there. Then we're getting into like, yeah, a whole different argument. Yeah. Well, all right. We don't have much time to continue on with the standard chat, but I will say just, just to get this last point out of the way about how to test whether or not that road is passable in your maps data file. All right, everybody. We had a buddy. He went around Lake Superior. He asked me to make the map a little bit more interesting for him. I did. He's a guest author for the site. He's uh, His name is John Supporta. He wrote a great article about how he ended up deciding to buy a Goldwing, a vintage Goldwing at that. Anyhow, he goes around Lake Superior. He asked me to make the route a little bit more interesting. I did. And he ended up running into a dirt road. Now, <clears throat> between us, he decided to have a little bit of fun to ride that dirt road, which is okay. He's He's got that skill set in his arsenal. But uh, if you design a route, always check to make sure that the little Google Maps icon dude in the bottom right-hand corner, if you drag him over, him or her, whatever, drag him or her, it, you yeah, drag the a, little... It's an inanimate thing. It doesn't mean... The inanimate guy dude thing. You drag it over the map. If the road you're interested in exploring lights up as a place that you can see in Google Street View, it's likely paved. In this case, the road had been taken up. That can happen. The road was completely just totally removed. They were repaving the entire thing. Uh, so there you have it. That's our talk. Um, unless you have anything you want to add. I was like, well, there, there's plenty of videos uh, online of guys off-roading gold wings. And I think I saw <laughs> somewhere someone even did a scrambler wing the, yeah. where they, they lift the suspension, put knobby tires on it. It is huge. It's massive. Yeah. But yeah, you can also, uh, if you want to spring for it, if you get a DeLorme Atlas for that state, uh, that will annotate gravel roads. So you can cross-reference your digital um, your digital route planning with a paper map like a DeLorme um, and, and, and check that out. Um, I know there is a, um, though they don't, the, it, for Wisconsin, Milwaukee Map Service makes a great map, but uh, that's, they only make maps for Wisconsin and they, those don't actually annotate um gravel or not so nice well now it's on to our listener questions um there aren't any listening questions this round so should you have any motorcycle pertinent questions you'd like to an- uh, answered such as appropriate blinker fluid levels or a quantum physics driven fusion reactor's response to being set against the confused time space continuum as it relates to the black holes event horizon good luck email your questions and concerns to podcast at tro.email that's podcast at tro.email or call 224-358-3010 and field your question, you know, go ahead and spit into the microphone. Uh, and now that brings us to this week's, week's Moto Mess Salamoto brought to you by, brought the you super by super somebody. Ultimatus Motorcycle something. Wait, wait, wait okay, wait, go ahead. This week's, week's Mess Moto brought to you by the Super Slick Ultra Badass Motorcycle Mega Posse of Incredible Power. It's super slick, ultra badass, and incredibly powerful. As a sidebar. Track day accident. Did you see this? I need to open it up so I can actually see it. Oh, this is the video of the guy getting knocked out. Oh, man. Okay, so when you go to track day, there's a reason that sometimes they will dictate that you must use safety wire. And in this case, it was a relaxed track day, but they did have an advanced group. And one guy didn't maintain his bike properly. And his entire, was it the belly pan? It just exploded. Yeah, like the belly pan, like part of his fender fell off on from the bottom right of the bike. Yeah, now he was fine. fine. He was not, He was fine. He, I don't even think he noticed it fell off. No, he kept going, and, and then what happened? Uh, so you see it. So there's the, it's like a helmet or a dash cam from this guy, and he's following this bike, and then you see 
the, the you see this chunk of the the fairing come off and go out of the shot, and then you see coming from the from the left where the fairing went, <laughs> this this rider on a bike just total total like rigor mortis, just straight like a like a crash test dummy, just like hanging <laughs> off the bike, and the bike's just going and goes right into the grass into the wall. I'm not lying. I thought that guy was inflatable. I thought he was inflatable. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I thought, did he have like a stroke or something? Yeah. But yeah, apparently the the fairing hit him in the helmet, knocked him out, and the bike just kept kept going, and he was still on it, like just yeah. unconscious and f- flailing around it, on yeah, the bike. It looks like his left foot is like caught under the shifter. Yeah. And so he's not necessarily upshifting, but it's just he's not going to fall off the bike. So he hit him in the chin. And just uppercut him. He got uppercut by a belly pan on the bike in front of him. He's mm-hmm. getting drugged by the shift pedal on the left side, and then eventually falls off, and his bike just, he, you know, he he survived the crash, from what I understand. Yeah, well, it's Incredible. like it's like the those drunk drivers, you know, when you're unconscious and you crash, you're loose and you kind of roll. It's <laughs> relaxed destruction. Um, <clears throat> and then, oh yeah, we had our first super slick ultra badass motorcycle make possible incredible power rally uh, of the fifty plus members that we have. Four. That's one, two, not three. Four people showed up. So that's a that's a record compared to the year prior, where we all decided not to do anything. Um, let's see. There were two left after the first day of the two day event, and one of those two promised that our mechanical knowledge and assistance would be rewarded with time on a '90s VFR. Uh, that didn't happen. At least his leftover beer is our sponsor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and he did buy me a bottle of whiskey for uh, letting him store his bike in my garage and, and work on it. So Yeah, uh, so to keep things moving right along, we have a diagram of when to buy Harbor Freight tools. I'm just going to say that you should go out and Google it. Yep. What's the source on this? ACLR8.com? I, yeah, I'm guessing so, yeah. They'll give you a diagram of when you should buy Harbor Freight tools. It's elaborate. Read it in its entirety. It's a, it's a it's one of those internet flow charts that are so popular these days. Uh, but it seems um, I like how the the very first, the very top is: Are you wealthy? If yes, buy Snap On. <laughs> um, so and then it goes: Are you wealthy? No. Are you a professional mechanic? If yes, buy Snap On. <laughs> and that's that's really those are the only two times you should really spend your money. Is if you if you're rich enough that it doesn't matter, or you're a professional. Preach on. And with that, it's time to close this podcast down. That's our episode for this round. Tune in next time for more discussion on all things specific to sport touring or universal to motorcycling as a whole. For theridingobsession.com, I'm Robin Dean. I'm Travis Burleson. Safe travels, everyone.